0: Hello, welcome to episode 82 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. And I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me are Benno and Andy Ogden. And how's things going, guys? Another month gone already. Andy, you had an exciting month. Been up to much. You've been to many gigs this this month.
1: I've been to actually zero gigs. Uh, Wow. It's it's, uh, just all been like wrestling and bits of football going... (laughs) Going for a bit of punishment, watching my team Rochdale getting beat by uh, Bolton in the P- in the Pizza Trophy three 0 last week. Yeah, I, I suffered oner.
0: Oh no, I mean uh, at least Rotherham um, beat. I think it was Man City under twenty ones or something like that. That was in the same tournament. I was like, wow, I didn't realise Man City fielded uh, an under twenty one team oh, in yeah. these uh, lower league tournaments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how embarrassing would that have been if we lost to Man City under 21s? But well, anyway, so
1: well, well, we we we've lost to Man City under 21s before. It was a couple of seasons ago, and they had a like a good crop of youngsters. And I don't think like Phil Folden and them were playing, but they had players on there they paid four million pound for from like Ajax. Just like Bloody that's hell. our budget for two seasons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's that, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, anyway, Benno? How have you been this month? It seems that uh, sort of like all roads seem to be leading to Christmas now. I think I was watching the chase earlier, and pretty much eighty percent of the adverts were all about Christmas. The John Lewis Christmas ads are. I mean, you know it's coming, but this year it seems to have sort of gone quicker than ever.
2: Oh, we just want to get there, don't we? After the year we've uh, and a bit we've had, so like, yeah, it's uh, it's horrible. I don't like October. It's like when the uh... But it just starts to get dark that bit too early and the clocks change mm. and stuff. And, you know, I'll take an extra hour in bed. But when it's dark, at like close to five, it isn't the, uh, <laughs> isn't the best, is it? But, yeah, I think I think this year we were all putting our Christmas jumpers on, especially early, just to just to properly enjoy it. I'm already thinking of throwing some uh, 80s classics on as I do uh, most uh, run up to Christmas. So I'll be doing that. It uh, feels like Christmas, big AW pay-per-view at the weekend. So, yeah, looking forward to that as well. But, yeah, other than that, same old, really. Maybe busy podcasting. It's kind of what I do.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. You've made some crackers out this month, but I suppose we can get that to, towards the end of the show. Um, Andy, off air, you were just telling me you're off, really off to a Christmas party next weekend.
1: Yes, all, uh, all all, of them. A bit of a freebie from uh, my work, so I'm going to fill my boots with the uh, three pints of carlin on offer. Even a champagne on arrival, which will be that cheap I main what you used to get from a uh, nightclubs back in the day for three quid a bottle. Um, but... No, I, I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Yeah. Any NXT UK stars going? or?
1: Um, no, actually, it's, it's just our um, whole department. No uh, NXT UK superstars will be on show that evening for any autograph signings. <laughs> <laughs>
0: brilliant uh, yeah and you said about about champagne it's more likely to be carver or something like that isn't it? You, know, you never get a free champagne eat, it's always a uh, sparkling uh wine of some kind but um oh. i mean you mentioned nxt uk then and they're on the docket for tonight sorry benno uh, we've got a, okay. var- <laughs> a right you scared
2: me enough you get you sent us the show notes and it said icw on it and i always had a panic attack. Um. <laughs> But I don't think we're, re- we're not reviewing it, right? Like, I did get that right.
0: Oh, yeah, we're re- doing the whole history of ICW. You know, you've know? got like 13 hours to watch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Damn it, deep dive, let's go. I think we a better team for it.
0: Indeed. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted to start out with our brand because uh, just after we recorded last time around, Ilya Dragunov uh, defended his NXT UK title against A-Kid in a-, in a really enjoyable match, I thought. You know, I think A-Kid's a pretty good opponent for Dragonoff, You know, they both worked over different body parts in the match. And, you know, there was, as you do get in Ilya Dragunov matches, there were some wince-inducing chops and the like. Um, Really smooth transitions from Akid. Ilya won, of course. Uh, Crowds are actually back for this one. Not that I didn't think it made that much of a difference, really, you know, apart from the pipes and noise we've had for the past year or so. But, um, Andy, what did you make to this uh, Akid and Ilya Dragunov match?
1: Well, um, on first showing... When I watched the live showing of it, I'd give it four and a quarter on Grapple. I thought that was a really good match. And then I've been thinking to myself, like three, three or four weeks later, like, did I really think that was a four and a quarter star match? So before tonight, uh, before tonight's show, bloody hell,
0: Andy, you sound like Beno here. This isn't what he goes through with <laughs> his star ratings.
1: <laughs> but I thought I'll go, I'll go back and watch it on on second viewing, and I thought. You know, the actual mat work in it, you know, working on I think it was Ilya's arm with one and um, A Kid's knee for the other. I thought they thought that was a good little thing running through the match. Um, I've got to definitely say as well, Ilya and A Kid have uh, brought roll neck jumpers back into fashion. Bloody every week they're wearing one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, onto but, but back to the match. I thought, you know, for a twenty-minute match, it still holds up on second viewing. But what I noticed more the second time is that fucking Rottweiler on commentary, Andy Shepherd. He's he, he's like, oh whoa, 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 yeah. oh god, shut the fuck up, mate. And then um, it
0: seems to get louder and louder as the match goes on, doesn't it? Oh, it to the point t- that you're turning it, turning the TV down.
1: He is. He's absolutely terrible. And McGuinness isn't much better. Oh, they, they did it in um, a similar <laughs> match two or three weeks later. Um, Noam Dar and Tyler Bate uh, for the Heritage Cup. And McGuinness, like three minutes in, oh, reminiscent of Cat Weasel and Jim Brakes <laughs> and just reeling off all these old British wrestling names to make himself look smart. Yeah, it
0: does feel at points that Nigel swallowed like a, a Brit rest encyclopedia, doesn't it, in some of these matches?
1: Oh, it, it, it does. I mean, I watched the, uh, the thing on 205 Live this week and it's like um, Vic Joseph just like keeps keeps him calm as a commentator. They, them two work so much better as a pairing than uh, Andy and Nigel. But yeah, I thought, as a match, I'd still go four and a quarter on it. A kid's someone who I've got to give NHC UK the props. is someone over the last year who they've made sort of credible into a challenger. But, you know, going forward from this match, it's, it's going to be Ilya and, and Rampage. But he's getting into that territory of like, who's left after that? Is it, oh God, it's the Joe Coffee route again. Oh, it's God <laughs> and Devlin. It's just going round and round in a, almighty vicious
0: circle innit, of shite indeed it seems to be that way you sort of like get little sort of like sparks from stuff like this and then obviously the earlier uh, Walter match but it, it I, I thought it was um, a pretty decent match I think I'd agree with your sort of like uh, review of it there what about you Benno was this uh, something you are into
2: yeah, I struggle with my uh, with match rating more than Andy. I went five stars on grapple and 10 out of 10 on cage match. If you want to follow me, my account is KingPower53. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's still people out there doing that. That, that was a crazy controversy. Apparently, yeah. I hope you don't uh, infest grapple at some point. These uh, kids throwing out 10 out of 10 ratings on every single <laughs> XT UK match over on, a, on our friends' cage match. but. Um, but that's what yeah. matters,
0: Benno, Though, isn't it? That's what matters. These uh, ten out of ten <laughs> ratings that people are getting on Cage Match.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah, that's the uh, the best brand no one's watching, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, this match. It's funny you said that at the at the top about the the crowd because i honestly about five minutes in thought ah, oh, this is good but it'd be good in front of the crowd and then i realized there was a crowd <laughs> it's yeah. just like it, it it was the first i've seen of nxt uk and this you know what is it invited people only media people and you know the odd fan in there and it does feel a bit false doesn't it and a bit orchestrated like the chants in there still and does feel like they're um they can't resist themselves like Sweetening the noise and yeah I, I kind of thought that, you know, them having fans back might make a difference but it still felt like good wrestling happening in a vacuum and don't get me wrong, the rest of them was very good you know, A-Kid is someone who, you know, obviously we all wish he maybe took a took another path but he's obviously very, very capable and, you know Ilya, it's not just the matches with Walter but, you know, he's he can be on his day one of the, the better wrestlers in the world. Um, it was a good match good selling, good, you know, hard hitting action plenty of logic and psychology in there and plenty you know not not really much but you know Ilya's matches uh you know as weird as he can be he's kind of you know there's never any wasted motion as matches apart from in his poses you know as far as the actual like sequences within the match and the you know the uh, spots that they have it's not you know like he it, it's, it's one of those where he's just one of those people who you know you can go out there and have a 12 minute match and it can be kind of perfect for what it is and that's kind of what i'd say about this match it, it was one of those it was you know despite its environments there was a lot of good work in there you know i think they had a good what, 3.75 star match is probably what i'd give it and um, that's my my typical rating for these types of things but <laughs> you know I, I can't i can't ask much more than really i think the like i say the it's an uphill battle having a, a good match in that environment but you know that's definitely what they did
0: well, Andy mentioned uh, Nigel on commentary. Then, just to sort of like sidetrack a little bit, because um, obviously grizzled young vets uh, Zach Gibson and uh, James Drake are in that weird sort of like between Two O Five Live and whatever this new version of NXT is, and they actually had a match on uh, uh, on Two O Five Live uh, this past week um, against Kushida and Jiro, and uh, you know the match was nothing to write home about. But Nigel started going into this busy- bizarre thing where he was like talking about sort of like Liverpudlian stereotypes and how offensive they are and and what they are and why. And it sort of went on for ages and it started getting really uncomfortable. I don't know if you had a (laughs) chance to watch it, Andy.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I I caught that uh, like couple of minutes there. Yeah, it was just like giving a long-winded explanation about car stereos and Scousers being criminals. And yeah, God, it's a wonder he didn't come out with the... um, what's it, the, in it, the joke, the, um, what do you call, a scouter in his suit, the, um, the accused, he, he, oh, it's, it's a wonder he didn't come
0: out with that. I know, yeah, it was really weird, have you had a chance to see it, Benno, yeah, it's just bizarre how he, he spends so long going on and on about it, and then goes, yeah, but it's really offensive, by the way, and it's like, well, you've just come up with every, like, stereotype going.
2: Yeah, it's weird, because, like, he, I watched it just now before we went live, uh, but just a strange little sidebar he's gone on. I think it's mainly because nobody watches two o five live. Like I was searching for the match, assuming it happened on NXT or something like that. But apparently Gibson and Drake are doing two o five live now. Um, yeah, it's weird because Nigel's like a you know, considering he had the uh, the Danielson match here in uh, in Liverpool, kind of see him. You know, it's a bit of a. At least I do personally see him as a bit of a legend for our city in wrestling. I'd be, you know, right right on the uh, the top of the list if we uh we started some kind of uh I don't know petition to get a, a statue in Nigel and uh, and Danielson put outside the Liverpool Olympia. I feel <laughs> like that's that's something that could happen, but yeah, he's got to watch his uh, he's watch his step if he uh if he wants that to happen. Strange, <laughs> yeah. It was just uh, I, I think Nigel's got an affinity to the city, and I think he was trying to be nice, but yeah, he was definitely throwing a, a few backhanded digs in there too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm sure um, a statue of McGuinness, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people would be happier with a statue of McGuinness and uh, Danielson rather than sort of like another one of the Beatles, um, I'd imagine. I imagine there's quite (laughs) a few around the city centre aren't there already?
2: Yeah, that's what we spend all our money on, statues of the Beatles and yet another uh, Beatles museum, but yeah, strange. Um, It's funny though. we were talking this week on Grapple about like Zach Gibson and his uh, Liverpool fandom. He's like, He's one of them. It's like, I don't know how much of it's a gimmick that he's like a, a real Liverpool fan, but like it popped up on my time hop this week that uh, delo Brown's um, visit to Infinite Promotions. The, uh, the Zach Gibson-led veteran promotion uh, was seven years ago this week. And yeah, true to the gimmick, Zach Gibson played delo Brown in a free ticket to the Liverpool game. Um, and a Liverpool shirt with his name on the back. I mean, that's pretty. That's pretty good going, really. That shows you how big a fan the uh, is, and it's So like, You know, that, I think that Gibson should be uh, shouting about that. I think that adds to his uh, his credibility as uh, as the Scouts mm-hmm. Um
0: So, of course, WWE, you know, are on tour over here currently as we speak, I'm doing extensive dates for uh, for what they do. I know they used to do in the early nineties, but normally they would sort of come over here for sort of like um, a week or so. But it seems they're over here for. For quite, for quite a bit of time. We've got a Smackdown side and a Raw side doing uh, different cities around the UK. Uh, the Smackdown tour saw so Walter against Cesaro as part of the lineup. Um Were you guys tempted by uh, Walter versus Cesaro for uh, 30 to 40 quid? Hmm. Uh,
1: I, I would say, when, initially, when the match was announced, I was like, oh, possibly look into that. I did, I did go onto the uh, Ticketmaster website and the AO the uh, Andrew Ogden Arena website as well. <laughs> um and i just seen like 40 quid a ticket for the cheapest one, it's like not really worth it, is it then? Um if mm-hmm. it would if it was 25 pound, possibly I would have gone, but I think 40 to 70 quid, it's it was too much for what what was on offer and you know I I've, I've I've seen that I've seen the match from a bit of fan cam footage on YouTube yeah I got it, it on now it, it's basic 3.25 stuff um cra- crowd I would say they're doing bits like this guy that guy who's this guy who's that guy it, it just it was reminiscent of when Walter made an appearance on raw uh, a few year mm. a couple of year ago at the uh, MEN arena and Someone in front of me is like, "The fucking LZ." <laughs> 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 and I, went, I, I was like, "Don't you know that's Walter from Austria, NXT UK champion?" Not a fucking clue, mate. Probably thinking uh, Dominic
2: Mysterio is doing well.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But um, it, yeah, it was what it was. But it looks like the first two nights that the, the SmackDown uh, crew have been over in the UK. They did Walter Cesaro. But the next two nights, they've um, the teased doing Walter Cesaro and it's ended up in, into a, a Teddy Long um, holler-holler-player-player-tag team match um, with uh, Seamus involved and Finn, Finn, Finn Balor tonight in Manchester and uh, I think Drew McIntyre the night before. So, yeah, a bit, bit of nice false advertising there for £40 from the, our good old friends in, uh, in Stamford, Connecticut.
0: In the gimmick, if if Walter and Seamus lose, then Walter's got to wear a Man City top or something.
1: No, if she- if if, if, if uh, Walter and Seamus lose, uh, Seamus has to wear a Man City top because you know that great rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester City. You know, perennial enemies.
0: Oh yeah, the history behind that one. Oh my God, you could. Right, ten bucks on it, Man City and Liverpool, yeah, oh God, <laughs> You'd you think the Sheamus had clue him in and go actually it's man U, not fucking <laughs> not man City, oh dear, um, so was the match sort of like half decent then I mean Benno, you said you 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 watched a bit of it, was it um mm-hmm. any good,
2: yeah, it was all right, Standard house show fair, really, like I did see you know I saw people getting excited about it and it was like yeah you're gonna see Walter and Cesaro but you're gonna see them in a WWE house show setting you know like it's not the it's not the best setting for that like Andy says you know most of the crowd aren't familiar with them and and I think Walter's style as well you know the hard chopping style kind of lends itself to smaller buildings it just I don't know something about it as well the fact that it was advertised for multiple nights in a row it's a bit like just that dialing the specialness of it really if they're just going around the uh the loop doing the match. Like I heard from uh, you know a couple, a couple of my mates who, who went to the show who said they enjoyed it. I don't think they, they they went to the aqua arena show and they they were saying it uh, attendance wise it wasn't the best and it did seem like there were a, a good few empty seats from uh, the bits I saw. Um, but they I think I think somebody leaked a report to Melter saying it was a four and a half star match. And <laughs> based on what I just saw, bear in mind, it was like you know a Gabe Sapolsky-esque uh, fan cam footage, you know, from like the old ECW days. It was very, very shaky cam. Uh, I don't think I'd go near that, but I'm sure if you were in the building, you know, you enjoyed it. And yeah, I think it's mainly interesting that you know this was a a UK tour where, from what we've seen, they haven't really had any involvement of like NXT UK guys. Like mm-hmm. I was. I was at the house show, you know, when they were last year, you know, long ago, last month, um, <laughs> before the early <laughs> double thing came back. And I saw, you know, Ginny knocking about in, like, the, the press pit, And, you know, there were, I think Trent Seven was around, but there were no, like, NXT UK people actually involved in the shows. And I think that's been the same thing for this tour. And Walter being involved, I don't think, is, is really an NXT UK link. I think that's more an indication that maybe, you know, as reports we've seen over the last few weeks, that he's maybe... Main roster bound, which is something I kind of scratch my head with, or at least US, you know, bound. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the thing to take take from this, that yeah, potentially, you know, putting Walter on a loop like this with a steady hand like a Cesaro, maybe they're they're giving him a, a proper look.
0: So what do you think that is then, um, Because obviously, like you said on on past tours, they did use to utilize NXT UK talent and you know, have them on the undercards and things like that. Um, do you think? It's possibly because they were like, oh, these tickets are struggling already. We don't want to, like, you know, <laughs> put people off even more. <laughs> oh,
2: that's amazing. So people say I'm the mean one towards NXT UK. Well, um,
0: <laughs> maybe. No, but it just like... seems bizarre. I mean, obviously, you know, it's just joking there, but it just seems bizarre <laughs> that they wouldn't have, you know, their ovary. Yeah. Why wouldn't they have a, a few of them, you know, even sort of like it's... a, you know, six-man tag or something?
2: Maybe they're using the same spreadsheet that uh that Nick Khan's got where he makes all these cuts like he did last week to me in Rust WWE and NXT UK continues to escape it. And like whoever's put this tour together maybe isn't aware it exists. It's uh it, it is odd because usually there's you know there's some involvement. I don't know if it's like a you know, I, I've lost count of the amount of times we've gone out and said on this podcast, oh, you know, bad things might be coming and then they never come. But, you know, maybe it's foreboding as to what's going on with NXT UK. It is in a weird spot considering, you know, may, you know, NXT proper isn't what it is before. They're not even doing takeovers anymore. It's a youth-based, you know, product with, you know, very limited number of big indie stars like NXT UK is a bit. Out on an island right now, and it just seems like it's almost a forgotten brand in a number of ways. Um, within that company,
1: I think, I think the last time when they did use NXT UK Superstars was um, uh, um, the Survivor Series when they were doing NXT versus um, SmackDown versus Raw, and that's what that's the time when they used them on like the like the house show loop and like Raw and SmackDown because mm-hmm. they were building up something. That, you know, where they use like Walter and Pete Don, and um, oh, Flash Morgan Webster and um, Andrews getting squashed, and, mm. and S- Sonny Durson got beat as well, um, like a squash. But uh, that that was quite ages ago when, when they when they use them,
0: yeah. It just it just seem bizarre that you wouldn't at least have them sort of like you know in, in an opener or something like that, um. Well, um, Andy Q raised a good point in, uh, in that interview I did in First Plug, we'll get in there. Um, the, you know, the advertised cards, you know, as if to go, look, these are the cards and we're doing the same card in sort of like this city and this city and this city. And he was sort of like intimating that, you know, that's not very exciting. You know, if you're just going, yeah, look at all these same cards we're doing in a variety of cities. Andy, do you think that sort of like affects things? Because, you know, obviously people are going to go well, and like Benno and I were there really you know, you're not getting anything special because they're going to do Walter versus Cesaro in like four or five different places.
1: Hmm. I mean, when I've been to, I've been to like a few of the house shows at the MEN and I've done that thing of looking at the results from the night before and like, oh yeah, I am a lot of them are the same cards and they've got, I think they've always done it. they They probably publish them cards just to push ticket sales a bit because I know Mm. they're doing, like, the same setup as what, like, Impact TNA used to do, just use the, like, lower ball of the arena, which holds about 8,000, and I've seen that they sold about 5,000, 5,000 maybe. It's also a case at the moment, and not just, like, Going to arenas and what have you, but I was I was speaking (laughs) speaking of all places, like um, a barman in a pub uh, in where I live, and he's saying there's there's still like people who generally just won't go out the house.
0: Yeah, that's uh, true.
1: uh, Who generally won't go out the house, even though you know, been told oh it's safe to go out. Yeah, COVID's had an impact on quite on quite a lot of things. You do see like concerts you know some concerts been really full but still still a lot of places out there like struggling like entertainment wise and even Mm. like in the in the in like the bar industry you know since it since the um unlocking
0: yeah definitely i still think yeah obviously you're going to get a lot of people especially considering everything that's happened that are going to be you know trepidatious about going out and mixing with like big groups of people and stuff um but sort of like sticking with it Dewey, Dewey, because um, the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson, released an article on the Post site the other day. Um, excerpts he'd taken from an interview Drew Galloway had done with the uh, Telegraph and August. Um, the quotes Andrew picked from the article, basically, had Drew talking about wrestling Bradford of all places, and how the UK has the loudest fans. But the big quote was him saying, the UK scene is on fire now, and the NXT UK is top of the pile. And Andrew, being the smart man he is ran with, that as the headline, and social media absolutely exploded. I mean, um, was he really going to say anything else, uh, Benno, talking about sort of like UK wrestling and stuff and NXT UK?
2: He um, probably didn't have to say anything was the thing, though. <laughs>
0: like, mm, you know, that's I'm, true. I
2: mean, I mean Alan, uh, 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 Andrew did that. Uh, killer job as far as like yeah getting that uh getting that quote out there and i think the kids call it a ratio these days i think it's uh, sitting on 200 quote tweets that uh that story on the post wrestling twitter of uh, various people um throwing their doubt on that lots of lots of good uh, jokes about uh, what exactly that pile is made of um yeah it is definitely a if it's on fire it's definitely a burning pile uh if it's <laughs> if we're talking, about, uh, talking about brit res but yeah and it was it was almost like he kind of offered that quote up without being prompted to just say the UK wrestling scene's on fire right now. And I think he, you know, Drew is someone who is known for that kind of rah-rah promo. You know, he did it at Evolve, he do it in icw he'd do it pretty much any promotion he was he was injured in during his uh his indie run between going stints to go back to wwe so that is kind of what he does and he just kind of goes through like the, the standard you know thing that everyone always says well the crowds are like ones at a football match they have all you know their chants and signs and he's kind of putting over the uk but yeah i think he probably could have just stayed in his lane and talked about like yeah the boisterous uk crowds that are coming to wwe shows because yeah um if he if you read those quote tweets and had a look, I think he'd uh, he'd see a lot of people disagreeing with him um, as to as to whether that you know the scene's on fire. I think there was a a couple of um, people defended it and you know talking about uh, shows that are that are going on in this country and there are you know certainly shows going on in this country. But as far as uh, the scene being uh, on fire right now compared to what we had uh, a couple of years ago, I think yeah, I don't even think Drew can sell that one.
0: It's funny you say that. I'm sure one of the WrestleMania weekends I went to was um, when it was either WWN Super Show or whatever, or Evolve vs. Progress or something like that. was on the same night as NXT um, TakeOver. And Drew was at the Evolve show or, you know, the, the game yeah. sort of show that was done with Progress and he came out and did a speech like that and then I think an hour later he was uh, in the crowd at TakeOver on camera and I was like that's hilarious, he's just come on here saying what a great promotion, this is what, now I'm off to uh, NXT, that was, uh, that was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Play on both sides, that's what he does. I know. Um, what a but, guy. Yeah, yeah, but I do I do get what you mean by it. yeah, he did seem to do those sort of like raw, raw speeches everywhere he went. I saw him, you used to do him in Impact and and the like as well, didn't he? But um yeah, I mean, it's it's like I I had like I was obviously I think people were, we were treating me like Bart Simpson I'm waiting for me
2: to uh, to say my catchphrase that brit Res is dead. I got tagged on a lot of comments in that thread, and you know, there you it, go.
0: We didn't we didn't even have to G you up to say it. Then. it just
2: <laughs> I just pull pull the string of me back, mate, and I'll uh, I'll say it. But you know, I have I had promoters like DM me and like a couple like a couple of people in the replies going, well, you know. Brit is dead, but British Wrestling is striving. Like I'd be interested, in, like Andy's take on that because I know not all but Andy agree with uh, with me or with the promoters on that. It was like I, I think it was a. Uh... Peter Blackham, who does uh, wrestle Island, he was kind of saying, you know, don't fully agree with, like, the ways through drew the line, but he was kind of saying, well, you know, Brit Rez, I, you know, the traveling fan scene, and I would add, you know, the scene that more eyes than, you know, the people in the immediate postcode will watch, whether that be on demand or whether that be traveling or, to be honest, be worldwide, you know, that scene where we had some of the best wrestlers in the world wrestle each other every other weekend. That was Brit Rez, and that's the, that's what's dead. But, you know, someone like that will always point out that, you know, British wrestling, at least as far as, you know, some of the family shows, like that company driven, you know, 300 plus and those types of companies are still doing all right. But I think, yeah, you've got to draw that line between, you know, what we kind of had as a, you know, a scene the world has its eyes on and, you know, kind of what is there at the moment. I, I, I don't know if uh, what we've got right now really rebuts that argument unless uh, Andy wants to.
1: Hmm. Um... No, nah, I, I do. I do agree with uh, what Ben said. It, 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 end of the day, it's the, it, it's the top the top end. Mm. Um, which which was your like your progress, Fight Club Pro, Rev Pro, ICW as well. But thing is, ICW's has always been its own own yeah. thing. It'll still, it'll still draw four, five 600 people to its shows because it is its core base. Mm. People only really travel up there for them. You know, like the fear and loving weekends at the Hydro and barrel, like big barrel and shows. But that was like three, four, three, four year ago when, I, well, I mean, when I were doing it, um, progress, if they had ever come back, doubt they'd ever see 700 people at the Ritz. Um, I mean, even, even ones that I go to, I know like TNT is probably one of the bigger ones. Would, would, you would say, are one of the bigger ones now, but
2: is it, it though? What are they drawing? Like,
1: no, but no, but what what I was gonna say with that is no. I, I mean, is in terms of the cat, like the cards are putting on, but mm. so you mean
0: quality of wrestling rather than yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, people yeah, quality attendance, of wrestling, right,
1: yeah. yeah. But the actual like crowds I means sat on Saturdays their main shows were getting maybe just un- maybe a hundred. One twenty mm-hmm. or at times, bloody hell! When I went to that death match thing, there were about fifty people, sixty people there. But well, they, they, they've they've sort of decided now. Um, what we're, we're thinking that we're going to move back to our original nights, a Thursday, and said, "Oh, we always drew well on a Thursday." But that was back in a time when you had your well problematic names like your David Stars on and what have you, and more more of these imports. Coming over to the UK, that's when they were getting 250, 300 in like fusion. But Mm -hmm. I mean, moving to Thursday now sort of rules out me going because it it takes mainly because of travel. Like their shows will finish at half 10, but the last train from Liverpool to Manchester and try to get home is about five five to five to ten. So you're losing, you're losing maybe some fans there. Um, but I will say that their Sunday shows have regularly been getting anywhere between 100 and 150, and they're always like 12 an hour. quid to go to? They they're actually doing all right with them. Um, who else? Um, I mean, I, I go to bloody catch pro wrestling in Manchester, mm. not Manchester big big city. Um, but for their their own. Like their own shows, what the what they ran on the Sundays um, at the Union, they were getting anywhere between a ton, maybe ton fifty max. I know they did the Academy too, which got about hundred and fifty. But they started running the Monday shows now. Everyone who listens to Graps and Claps audio and, and on here as well there's has known we've been a bit critical about them in like the second or third show. Because you sort of like you've got to have an identity where you're going now, they're running these uh Monday evening shows, sort of like filling the market where um you know Schadenfreude and friends were like the frog and bucket, but the um, catcher run in the bread shed flower and flagon in Manchester, which is like in the student area. Now, the first show they got, I would say, about 50 people there, and you think, ooh this is a bit of a, you know, an experiment gone wrong, but it had that Chris Ridgeway and Ethan Allen match on, which they did end up putting up on YouTube. And it was a very good match. It was out, out the second and third shows what, what they've run. The, um, attendance has gone up maybe about 20 or 30. So it's, it's gone up to about 80, maybe eight eighty 80 max there now, but it's got a a base there now on a Monday night if the you've sort of got this got to distinguish your, your two shows now you've got the Monday night thing, but how's that gonna be any different from what you're running on like um you know on a normal Sunday every couple of months mm. and I mean the Monday night shows um I heard like the venue wanted them asked them to run if they wanted to run every Monday like. God, as a fan, you, you'd be fed up. You'd be fed up of going down Oxford Road every Monday, <laughs> going down <laughs> Oxford Road every Monday night. But they are they are coming back in uh, like December sixth. But whether that's going to be just like a monthly thing, which fingers crossed, I hope it is. Because if you do too ma- I, I do think if you do too many shows, um just like one every two weeks, you're just going to burn yourself out. But I will say the Monday night shows have been a godsend to that promotion. You know, in it's it's sort of give them in like in a creative way and um you know and in a few um people in the building to give them a big kick up the arse. But um just a, a couple I want to mention. Obviously, you got red pros still still draw five. They were getting five, six hundred at Stevenage this weekend and old Southside on. Um couple I I go to, um BWR at Cleaforts, who you know. 300 sell-out every time. Uh, North Wrestling in Newcastle. Uh, they've had two shows back. They're now running the Anarchy Brew Co. in um, in Newcastle, obviously, and sold out both times. Um, quite, to be honest, quite quickly as well. But they, I would, I would say the atmosphere there is similar to what Progress had, but it's a more friendlier atmosphere. More, you know, than. You know what? Then what progress got it, like in the in the dying days of that. Uh, but yeah, it's probably a bit more regionalised, like the you know where the bigger tendencies are going. Like Newcastle, there's not really much up that end. Same with Clefords, Grimsby. There's nothing really up that end now because like NGW's buggered off. Uh, I think in conclusion, I would say. The quality of wrestling has been really good everywhere. Um, I don't think there's been many, like, duff matches. I've I've rolled down thinking, God, I've seen some absolute shite since the restart. There's been quality stuff, but it's just like, the, like a lot of places, the attendances haven't been there to uh, reflect the quality of the wrestling that has been going on. Yeah, I yeah. think...
0: I think um, if you if you want to go and watch some decent wrestling and maybe some you know and, and this obviously some bright sparks have, we've listed off a, a number of them on, on previous shows, then you're gonna get it if you want it you know most weekends and stuff. But as far as like you know like me messaging John and Wayne and going oh my god you've got to check out this stuff like you know with the OTT stuff a few years ago and that that's long gone, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, that that's it. It's like you know we can.
2: There is definitely, you know, young, hungry promotions and good nights out out there. Like I've definitely considered, you know, just for something to do on a Monday night to, to pop to one of those cat shows. Or, you know, even talked about maybe doing north in Newcastle just for like a bit of a, a Christmas night out type thing. That's something I'm, you know, I'm considering. But yeah, you've got to be realistic about what we've got. I think you nailed it there, Martin. I think that's the thing. It's like, you know, guess there's good wrestling happening, but you know, or Are we treating it with kid gloves a little bit though, as well? Like, you know, if we were reviewing a match a couple of years ago, I would be treating it like I was reviewing, you know, the same quality of matches from New Japan, or, you know, are we reviewing AW match, or, you know, are we review some of the best matches in the world? And you'd kind of, you know, mark it on that basis. I think now you kind of go, okay, yes, you know, I'm not expecting, you know, five star matches. I've kind of got to view this with kid gloves and accept that these are, younger wrestlers who are doing good for their level but you know if we graded it on the same curve as we do you know the best wrestler in the world it it certainly you know doesn't come close and that's no slight on the you know the men and women doing those matches either i think it's just a case of just being you know honest as andy is on his podcast about what the the scene is you know out there right now like and what we what we have um compared compared to what we have and i think it's it is dangerous because i think you know not about like me shouting Brit Res is dead probably don't help. But I think the, the, the other side of the coin, where people get so defensive and are just like, no, 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 Britain is as good as it ever was. And it puts so much pressure on these poor young wrestlers who, through no fault of their own, are having to like drag this scene that is clearly not what it was, you know. And if you don't believe that, you know, watch any show from the year 2015 to 2018 and compare it to what we've got now. But it's not these young wrestlers' faults, but they're having to go out there and pull this scene up by the bootstraps and, and try and you know make their own names and you know with limited years of experience kind of be the stars and step into those roles and i think you've got to treat that realistically as for what it is and i don't think you know pretending that is on the same level as what we had before or pretending those wrestlers are ready-made stars or you know i don't think that's helpful to be honest If anything i think that's that's counterproductive we've got to maybe be honest about what the, the scene is right now you know obviously you know we all want to support it and we all want to see it, you know, come back to something resembling Rembrandt Prominence that will surely be very different from the, uh, the previous boom periods. But yeah, I think um, being honest about what's in front of our eyes, I think is probably the first step. Yeah. I, I think it, um, I
0: speaking out is not something we've mentioned either. You know, people are going to be still remembering those horrific stories and stuff aren't they and be trepidatious Mm -hmm. about going you know oh well you can say that you're doing all these things and blah 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 but people are going to be trepidatious about no matter all the good intentions we had a promotion about getting invested as they did three four years ago with a promotion because you know they worried they might get burnt again with it
1: yeah uh, well i'm gonna say there's quite a few people who i know who like used to come to shows with me and they mm. totally stopped. Totally stopped now. Yeah, like going to them, they found other stuff to do, like football manager, going watching football all over, all over the country. It, there is other things out there to go to go and watch. The, the thing, the thing is, I mean, when obviously uh, Bart Simpson, Benno uh, pops, <laughs> pops <laughs> and then and then you just you just the thing is with Twitter as well. I think people are in their own bubble, a, mm. a, a bubble of positivity and everything's rosy in the world. And then they list off all the fucking promotions and all the bloody wrestlers going. And they're just looking for like forms of like, yay. And what have you, you just got to have a, a bit of realism and at at, end at day. Yeah. I think like I'm just reiterating what Beno said. Yeah. There is some good talent out there, but, it's it's Rome wasn't built in a day, and it's going to take quite a, a number of years before it ever got back up to what it was four or five years ago. Um, well, yeah, no, I, I I'm one of those. I'm positive for the future, but I do think there is some promotions out there who, you know, could could, could be on the way out. I mean, God, I heard a report on um, when we're it now maybe sunday or monday at catch about um pcw who was supposed to be running a show in uh hanley this were on the uh, 6th of october and no, nothing had been said about the cancellation so about two or three days before the event i saw the tickets had gone off sale on ticket tail and then they announced oh we're doing a show in uh to one at Wrestlers Judo Club in Blackpool on the Saturday. This is with, like, two, three days' notice. Like,
0: mm.
1: how, are you, how are you going to draw a crowd? And then I find out that fucking hell, they drew about five people, you know, wrestlers wrestlers aside. It's like, wow, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? I mean...
0: It, and they used to do decent business as well, didn't they, in Blackpool and sort yeah. of, like, obviously, home base of Preston and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, run, they did well for like their anniversary show, and then you, you won't hear anything for about a month or two on social media. It's just non-existent, and then oh, they're advertising a show in Blackpool, which is like, like Chris Masters on at the Tower, that'll draw a few tickets, and they've got one at the end of December. But it all see, it all seems a bit half-assed at times, and it's just it's a bit frustrating from where they were. I mean, mm. this year especially, it's probably a clean slate for everyone, as in terms of promotions, and some promotions like PCW and quite a few others should have captured that as an opportunity. Like, yes, there's a spot in the market now. We can, like, you know, push on and try and, you know, bring back bring back some of the glory days of where we were. But yeah, you just can't be half in it when there's an opportunity there.
0: I think also nothing sort of like stays cool or hot forever, does it? You know, I mean, despite, you know, all the problems that uh, British wrestling has gotten, there are lots of them. And I also think it's going to be about wrestling of convenience now, isn't it? You know, the spirit wrestling that started up in Sheffield, you know, that's cracking for me. You know, it's literally (laughs) 10 minutes on a bus from my house. And like Benno said about going on a Monday night, just, uh, what is it, a train, you know, a quick train over to Manchester sort of thing. It's, it's going to be that, you know, and then the odd trip down to London for a Red Pro show and stuff like that. It's just about uh, the convenience now, I guess, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it feels like the, the old days, done not it, Martin, before we started this podcast where we couldn't have done this podcast because we were all in our own little silos watching our own little local restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there wasn't so much such a thing as the traveling fan or promotions you'd watch on VOD. It does feel like that. Everyone's kind of proud of their, their little local promotion and seeing that because, you know, that is a point. You know, we had Gareth on here, didn't we, a couple months ago, and that's a point Gareth will always make. Like, you know, he's going to go to, like, those... TNT shows that they've been putting on. And I don't know they blow lowered the prices now, but there was a point where they were still charging 25 quid for a, a roster that looked pretty much the same as every other Brit res show going around the country. And like, never mind traveling fans. Like if you were traveling fan, why would you make that trip to see those same guys and pay 25 pounds? Like it was happening at the end of my road and I still wasn't going like, you know, <laughs> this, like, there's got to be, you know, some realism as to, you know, what, what you can reasonably charge for, you know, the, the level of talent we have right now. Um, you know, like I think that is a positive you can say about catch. Those Monday night shows are you know, attractive for for that reason as well. But that's exactly it, Martin. I think we're all gonna kind of be going to shows on our doorstep with the exception of Andy. I'm sure uh, Andy and Jeff won't stop traveling the uh, the country, but like, I think most of us are going to be like that. Okay. Is there something in, for me in the Northwest area? Is there something to you, you know, the Sheffield area, but is it worth really making that big trip? It's going to take something, you know, either a particularly good sounding night out, or it's going to take, you know, a particularly good looking card, like, you know, that last York Hall card, and potentially not the, uh, the York Hall card coming up for, for, for someone like me to be making those trips. Mm.
0: Definitely, and um, I suppose in in related news to all that, you know, we've been talking about you know rest of the past and stuff, because um, it's come up that it's been five years since World of Sport held that taping that would air on uh, New Year's Eve, and then obviously around the same time we had uh, the announcement of the first WWE UK title tournament, and then. Also, I think it's also been about three years since NXT UK launched. Um, I mean, you two guys were at those world of sport tapings. I mean, looking back now, I mean, we were all trying to be optimistic about it, weren't we? You know, we were like, oh, they've got, you know, Grado will be good for Saturday night TV and stuff. Um, but it, it was never really going to work, I suppose, was it? You know, with a, with a much wider audience. Yeah, that's it. This was uh,
2: before we met each other, wasn't it, Andy? Um, yeah. I didn't uh, I don't think I knew you back then. Or had I met you at Tetsu maybe before that. I can't remember. But I don't think we, we spoke yeah, probably, at the... Probably uh...
1: probably Tetsu were the first time I met you, but I, I don't yeah. remember I saw you at the uh the world of sport taping.
2: <laughs> that's it. Uh, yeah. But we're there, we there for history, we? it's just it's kind of crazy that like I, I remember being very excited about it. <laughs> like it kind of just the idea that you know ITV were were getting the behind you know the world of sport brand and bringing and bringing wrestling back like i was unfortunately as Andy will remember you know it was a bit of a shit show kind of getting in there because i think you know people were genuinely excited about it and one it was free so that helps but two you know there were a lot of people who turned up to try and get in and we were call we were lucky enough to kind of realize that we probably needed to get there early to get in it being a you know a tv studio type of situation and got in and it was a, a lively crowd and a, and a loud crowd i don't know exactly how excited i was coming out of the show but going in it felt like you know this was going to be a big deal they had jim ross they had you know this idea that they were bringing world of sport back they had you know some of the biggest stars of you know british indie wrestler at that point uh, i don't know if you were, were feeling the same optimism going in andy
1: yeah, no, I I felt it was going to be a big occasion for like British wrestling at the time. Like, oh, got, it's all going to be on ITV, and uh, remember, you had to apply for the ticket through like the Applause Store, which like hmm. you know where, where you have to do for all um, audience things. And yeah, no, I, I, I took like half a day off work, uh, <laughs> met all with one of my mates, and uh, ended up getting to the uh, getting to like Media City for bloody hell. Half past two in the afternoon this week, so we <laughs> we queued up from half two, and uh, they were I think they were letting everyone in about six o'clock. Yeah, but there was people with um you know who could get like special access in or like like VIP access. They they must have been all through like a, a different different website. So it, we got we actually got into the building for around half six but they were calling like people forward like you know who could go into the studio Mm. and it ended up being um me and uh three three other lads not our jeff who who got the last four places at the back row of the um of like the studio area it's like (laughs) bloody hell we're really lucky and what have you but
2: when did jeff do they go to the pub
1: no, no, he, he was actually in the reception area because he had, like, TV set up so that oh, you could actually man. see what was happening in the actual studio itself. But he ended up, um, I think it were an hour in, mm. uh, filling fill one of the seats. He, I don't think he ended up sitting sitting near Rose. He ended up in some other part of the studio. But, no, I thought it was going to be a great big thing. And, obviously, they had the... Uh, Uh, what's it, Grado, who was big daddy against uh, giant ace stacks, Dave Mastiff? Uh, that started things off. Oh, and the what the warm up guy, um, who was like (sighs) a game, Andy Collins, who was an ex game show presenter back in the day.
2: Yeah, that showed you what you were in for. As soon as he turned up, and like they were like, Oh, you know. Because this is in the middle of like the hot hotness of like Brit Res back then. Like, yeah, we we know you go to your shows and you have got your certain chance and stuff. But just remember, you know, we're on TV, so you know, none yeah. of that stuff, none of this yeah. one one fall stuff. Which yeah. actually, I was I was a fan of them saying, but you know, you were, were handed out like bone fingers. I remember, like, I think one of them said, "Go for the win." Um, I didn't know, I didn't <laughs> manage to get mine <laughs> yeah. home, but
1: I don't think that the TV people really knew who was the
0: commissioner. Didn't they have a commissioner? Mister Beasley.
1: Mr. Uh, Be- yeah. Max Beasley's dad. That's who it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It
2: was Max like Beasley senior. Yeah, and it was it was treated very much like it was a TV show. Do you know, it wasn't like they, you know, gave any pretense to what you were seeing was real. It was kind of like onto the next segment. So cheer this guy, boo this guy. This is what's going on. Um, yeah, and it was it was very much like it was like a bit of a holiday cam show or like you know what you'd imagine gladiators would be it'd look like if you went to a tape and that's kind of i think that for me that was the immediate like i was as soon as the show finished I, the, the, the banders from uh, having our phones on but i managed to note down a few results and i was already firing results off to the indie corner and uh and dave belt the second i was out of there just going yep yeah, there's a, a lot of good talent on this but uh i feel like yeah tv people have gotten hold of it and it's probably not going to be great
1: yeah, I was going to say like um, like a story after um, mm. the World of Sport tapings for me was like a couple of days later. It was the first fear and loving show at the Hydro. Now, um, me and Jeff got on the train at Manchester, Victoria. This were going mm. to Preston, uh, via Preston to Glasgow. And we mm. ended up like sitting next to on the other table, one of the main producers of ITV World of Sport... <laughs> Oh no! And we we ended up talking about um like who, who they didn't want for the show and why they picked a certain person for the show and it was it was sort of like picking our brains about who should we, who we, who should we pick and and talking about like Danny Hope's, uh cowboy gimmick <laughs> that you know, was like terrible man which he still has to this it still has to this day but. There were some of the wrestlers who, wrestlers who we mentioned, I can't remember the names, it was probably five years ago, and I've <laughs> had, a, had a few drinks since then. Uh, but um, <laughs> but they were like, oh, um, they didn't think they were the, the right sort of person for that show. But, you know, a couple of years later, when they returned World of Sport, I thought, you know, shit camera work aside, the actual, you know, NGW crew who they had on the second version of World of Sport were much better. Were much better, like as a as a wrestling presentation, it was much better than the, uh, you know, the mm. the gladiators type show. It was the uh, first time around, but it was fitting in with like, God Ninja Warrior was straight on after it, so you basically yeah. get the same the same TV, TV presentation, aren't you? I
0: think, that, was I think the, yeah, that was the audience that ITV were going for, weren't they? They were yeah. kind of like, oh, well, listening to Warrior things like an athletic thing, you know, perhaps we can, you know, get the nostalgia from that. But the problem I always thought with it was ITV were definitely sort of like one foot in, one foot out with it, weren't they? Because they had that special, and that was October 2016, obviously, aired on uh, New Year's Eve of, of that year as well. And then you had the whole... Where it was gonna be Impact Wrestling and Jeff Jarrett was gonna be running the tapings and that oh, all blew yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And Impressive then and then it was not till 2018 though, wasn't it? When they actually got like an actual series commission. So that was like almost two years after um, after the original oh. pilot.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, and it turned to change as well with like beyond recognition during that time. Like I'm just looking at the results of the first show and you Think uh, NXT UK was not a reaction to ITV Wales to Sport, like almost everyone to a man up with an NXT UK contract. So, I suppose it's got that legacy. Like Dave Mastiff in the opener, Kenny Williams in the second match, Joe and Mark Coffee against Front Page, Nathan Smith, Viper, El Ligero Zach Gibson, even David Boy Smith Jr. got a cup of coffee back in WWE before he got, uh, <laughs> got sacked again. Johnny Marsh, Shaw Samuels. Like, yeah, like I, I can't remember exactly how many of them made it to the TV, but I don't I think there was uh, already quite a, a few few names missing and yeah obviously when they introduced you know having osprey on the tv kind of forget that was something that that he did i think that you know helped make it feel a bit more exciting and stuff but i think the the TV people had already lost faith at that point. And yeah, like Andy said, the, the camera work and the editing and the like was a, I remember those headaches from when we had to uh, review it on here, And it was, uh, it, it was kind of like, there were always pieces there of something that could be good, but it just never felt like, you know, the wrestling people had enough power or the, you know, the ITV in general had, had enough faith in it or enough love for it.
1: Yeah, he always felt like off that um, second runner of world of sport. Like someone like Andrew Maxted were going to be like uh, mm. this big thing. He was like posted as one of the uh, big stars, and now he's, he just does like sporadic appearances. I think for OTT, and I know he was on. I think he was on the Red Pro Sheffield show, but you don't see, you don't see, don't see much of him now. But it's funny, Martin mentioned the um, Jeff Jarrett nearly got. <laughs> what's he? <laughs> All with World of Sports and they were going to have them tapings at the uh, Preston Guild which um, I ended up losing me uh deposit for on my hotel about, about 60 quid. Um because because of Jeff that. Jeff
0: just owes everybody money everywhere, doesn't he? Even yours, yeah, you're never getting that
1: back. <laughs> it's it's when he um you know everyone thought he's gonna be like oh World of sport again. And then I think the first couple of names he books is like Congo Kong it was all that, you know, G, um, Global Force Wrestling stuff. I, I think Flood were involved as well because he, he was going to, PCW were going to run a show straight after the, um, you know, the Guild All tapings about half 11 at night in the Academy. Wow. Never, never one for missing a trick, is he, Mr. Flooder?
0: No.
2: ITVWrestling.com <laughs> for all your PCW news. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, what, what were you going to say now? Yeah, because um, in Sison as well, like whatever happened to him, he was a large part of those sort of like yeah. second round of tapings and stuff, weren't he, going up against Rampage. was like Rampage Ram was going to be the big sort of like bad guy on the show and stuff like that, weren't he? But they all just kind of lost faith in it. I mean, they did a tour, which, you know, seemed to do pretty well in early January of 2019. Then that was all she wrote. But so speaking of nostalgia, and you sort of brought it up a, a bit then, uh, Andy, because obviously, you know, looking back at World of Sport, it's uh, you said there five years since ICW first ran the Hydro Arena in Glasgow, to uh, so just over 6,000 fans, headlined by Joe Coffey and Kurt Angle. Um, we also had the uh, Team Dallas match of Chris Renfrew, DCT, Grado and Shaw Samuel against Team Black Label of Bram, Drew Galloway, Jack Jester mm-hmm. and Kid Fight. I mean, must be bringing fond memories back for you, yeah. Benno, there with that uh, with that lineup of uh, talent. Um, but yeah, Based and then, the, the, year after, yeah, then the year after that with 4,000 there. I think Kevin Nash were on that show. And then yeah. finally for Fear and Loathing 10 with around 2,000 there with uh, James Storm against Grado. And then, believe it or not, they're actually doing Fear and Loathing 13 this year over two nights at the more modest Lands in Glasgow. They've got Jackson against Kez Evans. For the vacant ICW title, but I mean, what a come down for that company from five years ago. I mean, Andy, you're saying they're still doing sort of like decent numbers there, but I mean, they literally have gone from like sort of like the highest of highs over just just over six thousand to like what they're going backwards now to the Barrowlands, which I think hosted the early Fear and loading events.
1: Yeah, the um, well the. The time I went first time I went up there was for the Grado and um, Drew Galloway match was like well that's like six years ago.
0: I think that was the peak of ICW, was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: So that was at the SEC arena. That was a like great event. But I remember go- going to like the, the first hydro show and thinking, What bloody hell, th- this is gonna be re- like really good. Like great, great arena. Great city as well, Glasgow, I must say. And the show the show itself it was it was quite a lot of fun i thought and i always remember wolfgang and trent seven in like a cage match um, i think was on that show and trent seven taking too much time up on top of the cage i was like "Fucking hell trent what are you doing he ended up hmm. losing um or oh, there was one of the worst tag matches i've ever seen as well on that show the dudley boys versus polo promotions Oh,
0: oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and then nothing was on the same track for, the, for either team, was it?
1: No, absolutely not. And um, it was also, yeah, Kurt Angle doing his uh, UK tour of 10-minute matches because <laughs> uh-huh. every, every match was uh, 10 minutes. Uh, him and Joe Coffey, him and Cody Rhodes at Altrenum uh, for what culture. Um, but the actual atmosphere um, leaving the building that evening cause you have to go through like a tunnel to get onto the streets. And the atmosphere was like excellent. They were still doing all like grade old songs and what have you. And then I went, went back up the year, the year after, and you could tell a difference then. Like it was very quiet leaving the, leaving the building, even though it was maybe the better show out of the two, the attendance had obviously gone down, but, um, what you know seeing ICW now now I've, I've seen a few of their episodes on the WWE network and they are trying to use a lot of young scottish talent what they have got and you know some of it's alright it's nice to see like shake elsham's getting a chance up there and rio as well but um, yeah jackson uh, who's the former jackie polo right uh, uh, Kez Evans, so so J- Jack Jackson, Jackie Polo, he's, he's he's sort of like been on a hot streak. He's like won three main events over the last three weeks of TV, and uh, Kez Evans won like their Square Go event, which is like their Rumble. Uh, yeah, on paper you're thinking, nah, you're all right, but mm-hmm. if, and even even some of the other matches where what, what the what are being advertised like. Yeah, it's not it's not really one for the traveling fan to go up to go up to Glasgow.
0: Especially uh, over two nights, Benno, It seems a bit extreme, having not it? Over two nights as well.
1: I mean, I
2: wouldn't have got it when they were at the alleged peak, so <laughs> 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 I'm probably not the one to ask. I'm I still feel like I'm reviewing that one with uh, with Jeff Jarrett on top that we did. The three it was like a three-day one or something like that, or did it just feel like three days? Um but it's like Jeff Jarrett
0: yeah. against Kashida, or what oh, Kashida was involved like that. in some yeah. <laughs>
2: Don't think I've ever watched the wrestling show in two and a half speed, but I did that day. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I won't be making the trip.
0: Shall we uh, move on to some, some good stuff now, Uh onto Red Pro, because obviously they ran Stephen, who just Andy mentioned earlier, uh, this past weekend with their annual uh, British J-Cup tournament with the uh, speedball Mike Bailey winning. Sadly, the VOD has not dropped yet, and obviously none of us were there live, but we were treated to a cracking Michael Oku against Will Ospreay match from the 365 club in Southampton that was recorded on the 10th of October. Uh, similar to last month, we talked about Oku in that tag match uh, from York Hall. I thought he was great here uh, firing up to counter Osprey's defence and also similar to last month with Osprey and RKJ in that main event um, from York Hall. I thought Ospreay got the win here, Benno, but I thought he made Oku look great in defeat here. I think that's one of the good things about Osprey doing these sort of like Red Pro shows. He's making his opponents look great, even though he's picking up the win each time.
2: Oh, definitely. It was genuinely good stuff. Like I felt like there was a point I kind of went in mostly unspoiled on this. And, you know, it went long. They were definitely teasing that they were going to go the uh, the full limit there. But like what they what they delivered was great. I mean, it's one of them where, it felt like a bigger match than the occasion, maybe you know, for a live in Southampton show. To be honest, this is a match where if it was on, on the you know York Hall or something, it might not look out of place, you know, champion versus champion. But the problem is, when you book a match like this, yeah, you are kind of booked into a bit of a corner, aren't you? And I think they did a really good job of getting over the fact that, okay, yes, Oku's clearly not going to win in this circumstance, but they want him to go down fighting and, you know, go down looking good and, you know, lose the match without losing the match or without giving up. And that's what kind of you got here. And yeah, it felt like it was one of those matches where, you know, they, they did feel maybe the first 10, 15, maybe you started to notice that, okay, I think we're, we're going long here and we're stretching things out, but once it kind of hit that second gear, there's nobody better than Osprey at that stuff and Oku kind of did his, did his thing as well as far as, you know, we've been bathing about him, like you said, about being a great underdog baby face, that is, you know, when I heard Andy Quilden say to you on that on that great interview you did about uh Oku being kind of underutilized in, in other promotions, and regardless of the reasons, he really is because he is that good. You know, he is someone who you can put against anyone, and you you know, pretty much get a performance like this. But it went really well contrasted with Osprey, who, yeah, is you know that dickhead who's now a heavyweight and is you know, maybe not taking this lad seriously, and then a couple of near falls on, you know, my god, he's gotta take this lad seriously, you know, and the they built that really well with like the high spots they, they did on the apron, and then like I say, back in with the with the big close near falls that it felt like, you know, maybe bit of suspension of disbelief, but that live crowd were were biting on, and I think that says everything for the the great job they did there. So yeah, I thought it was a a really good bit of business. I'm sure we'll talk the post match. I thought that was you know really well done as well, and. Yeah, I think it was just a, a great match to kind of put over Oku without putting him over and put over, you know, both in the post-match and in the, the finish of the match, the viciousness of uh, of Osprey as a, as a top heel champion. I just thought, it, yeah, it was really, really great work.
0: Right, you, Andy? Were you as high on this match as me and Benno?
1: Yeah, no, I went, uh, I went four and a half on it. I thought, wow. it, was, I was, I thought it was excellent. Um, I mean, I, I, I put it above the Ricky Knight Jr. match, even though I rated both of them the same, mm. I thought this was the much better match. Um it, Like, going into it, I thought, oh, Southampton, it's probably, like, it's a big match for what would say, like, a, maybe a B-show venue, Um, because you would generally think, like, Red Pro's, like, top places are the, uh, you know, the 229 or York Hall, but... My god, this was really good. Osprey again, you know, he could he could wrestle a broom and send it to a four four star plus match. Mm-hmm. Michael Oku. My god, we well we said it, we said it last time how how good he is as like um, an underdog uh, from under, underneath. Yeah, top to, to, mm-hmm. top quality. And you could think that this had headline a York Hall show, maybe Definitely. in the next you would think in the next six months, you know. If, if you know, if Oku ended up losing the cruiserweight title, you, you'd love to see Oku get that shot at the at the uh, British heavyweight title against uh, Osprey. Yeah, I, I did think I did think um, was it a couple of years ago where Oku fa- faced um, Shingo at um, Victoria Warehouse, and I thought he did look a bit out of place then. But you know, the improvement mm. over the last two years with Oku. It's, it's just out of this world. But one thing I will say with Oku, that's I think um, Martin mentioned this to uh, Andy Q on on, the, on that fantastic interview, um, was
0: thank you very our, much.
1: Our, our um, Oku, in a way, he sort of feels fresh um, because he's not going everywhere around the country. He's just doing like Red Pro and maybe an odd promotion, uh, Wrestle Force and what have you. He, he still he. When you do see him live, he does feel like fresh in, in unlike quite a few others who are on the scene here, there, and here, there, and everywhere, but uh, I will also say with this show, and uh, there's two other good, other really good matches on this show, uh, which it was the Aussie Open uh, versus Young Gun singles matches, the Davis and Luke Jacobs one, and uh, Ethan and Kyle Fletcher, two really good 15-minute matches, and yeah, it's, it, it's an absolute belter of a show um, on Red Pros on Demand. So get their two week free trial now.
0: <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it wasn't over there, was it? Because uh, Osprey looked like he was going to give Oku a hidden blade and then show to Umino, sort of came out nose to nose with Osprey. And then Aussie Open came out and they started laying into Umino, you know, really building up this match for your call before the Young Guns. And Ricky Knight Jr. eventually came out and chased sort of like the United Empire away. So, you know, lots of forward thinking here, Benno, you know, about building up sort of like this match with Umanu and Osprey.
2: Yeah, and it's well booked, and that's kind of Red Pro's thing right now, isn't it? I think, you know, I'm not sure on this short call card coming up. I'm personal uh, commitments aside, I probably wouldn't have been able to make the trip anyway, but, you know, I'm not really moving things around. For an osprey versus show him and no main events, unfortunately, um. But it's 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 hard because like, if it's funny, I feel guilty now listening to Andy like on on that podcast talk about like you know, you know especially you know the 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 good old days when we had like Ishii coming over and we all started to like take it for granted, didn't we? Like Andy said, it was like I'll go see Ishii next month, I'll go see, see Suzuki next month, and I feel that way yeah. like like big Rev Pro York call cards, you know the fact that they're even happening. Is great, you know. It is scene where we are missing, you know, that upper tier of promotion. Rev Pro are, you know, doing strong things and telling strong stories with the pieces they've got. So I think if you're, you know, somebody who's heavily invested in Rev Pro storylines and following these 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 local shows, I think enough of those people will be into that as a main event. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people who go to your call just for the day out. So, you know, you'll get those people too. So, you know, I don't think it's going to do a particularly bad attendance by any means. I think the only the missing ingredient here, you know, behind the, the good booking and the logic of it and the you know the want to give new people a chance, is shows of him you know hasn't been that good. Um, it's the mm. problem. Like I don't know if I was getting out of tune, but I don't really think I've you know since this Rev broke combat run, I, I haven't really seen a, a great performance out of him or a performance that makes me think he could kill it in a main event. I know he's in there with Will Osprey, and like I say again, it seems like a, a well-told story, but there is. But I know Will kind of made that point that, I don't know, the Oku match <laughs> feels more like a, a York Hall-worthy match, you know, belt versus belt and and that. And then Osprey show through, despite, you know, obviously the uh, the well, you know, the good, simple storytelling they're doing to, to get there, which uh, they know they kind of exemplified in this post-match.
0: Yeah, he's not really. Even when he first came over pre-pandemic, and he had that match against Jay Lethal at the Corp, it was like I was like, "Oh well, I'll let him off because you know he's just come over here and you know it's against Jay Lethal." But it it, it wasn't really that impressive. And yeah, like you say, he's not really. But perhaps um, this will motivate him. You know, he's got you know this big match with Osprey. Yeah. Um. Perhaps this will motivate him, but I don't know. But um, it, it's funny because the Red Pro production I thought had improved on the Shaw Call show like last time around but oh my god here when they briefly went into the crowd they might as well have not filmed it at all it was just like <laughs> pitch dark and i mean the sound on commentary has always been an issue but i could barely hear andy quillman and uh stephanie Chase in certain parts of it i mean the sound quality sort of like definitely is improving on these shows i think yeah that, I, I would
1: say that as well that, that, to be honest I thought, I thought the commentary was really good on here and um, the actual um yeah the the lighting yeah, they they, they mustn't have played paid the Alecki bill in the eighteen sixty five. But um, you, you know to go on about the um upri- uprising show. Yeah, Osprey Umino. You know, it, it doesn't really interest me. It's the but it's, it's one of them. It's like the hands you hands you dealt with, you know, with the uh, Ethan Allen injury. Yeah, you might have thought. Maybe Rick, uh, Ricky Knight Jr. would have been in with Osprey, maybe. Who, who knows? Uh, Oku and Sp- Speedball Mike Bailey, that's your half-time match. Send every send everyone to the uh, six-hour queue at the bar for... Uh, <laughs> really, really happy. Um, the the Auss- Aussie Open against the two Knights, should, on paper, should be really fun. But I remember seeing the Aussies versus uh, the Hooligans at PCW... And It oh, was like a, a typical hooligans match where they give their opponents big, big, fat fuck all. Uh, but th- you, you just you just sort of think, is Roy Knight going to do a dive off the off a balcony or a high ledge somewhere? It <laughs> should be lots should be lots of fun. That um, I mean, Gideon Gray Yota Suji they built up over the shows that that should be should be should be a laugh. A and Robbie X. You'd have that as an opener. Um, Alex, Alex Windsor and Debbie Kaitel. I mean, Alex Windsor winning the women's title was a shot to me. Is Giselle Shaw off somewhere because um, she's off another show? Off. Uh, yeah, I think
0: it's sort of like you know, it's a big comeback and stuff, isn't it? And it's that sort of like feel good uh, thing. And obviously, right. she's a, a safe pair of hands to have the have the belt as well. So I think I think also obviously. You know, outside of the wrestling, so I've got the LA Dojo lads, Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin against uh, TK Cooper and Chuck Lambeau. Yeah. They are going to be uh, inducting Ryan Smile into the Red Pro Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Obviously, Smile, who appeared for a number of promotions around the UK, obviously, um, you know, sadly took his own life. Yeah. But um, a nice tribute, I think, uh, Beno from Red Pro here yeah definitely um you know it's a nice
2: thing to do and obviously you know i'm sure you know alex Windsor will be part of that too um yeah i just think it's it's classy really it's a it's a it's a nice thing that you know the, the promotion's putting together and you know to 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 honor him um in that way i think that's uh that's yeah, always good um but yeah I, I mean as a card you know i think you know i think that'll be you know a nice moment i do think you know as much as maybe the top end of the card is is suffering a bit there and i mostly agree with Andy. I do kind of want to see Carl Fredericks and Alice Coughlin over here. I think that's a that's definitely something interesting, you know, for the undercards, especially in light of them, you know, losing the young guns as a, a team for now. You know, Akira and Robbie X will be a, a fun little undercard match. And to be honest, if anything on the show interest me most it is probably Oku and people Mike Bailey I think that's the most yeah that's, that's the match, match that's got the best potential really uh you know unless Osprey works a works a bit of a miracle with it with Shota um so yeah at least there's there's that like say if you put that strong undercard with maybe a slightly stronger main event I think you're in better shape if the young guns were able to do the show you're almost certain, aren't you? They would have been going up there with Aussie open. That would have been another show stealer. So that's a an unfortunate kind of situational one as well. But yeah, you know, the the pieces are certainly there, even if maybe you know the, the top of this card isn't as is a blowaway is, a blow away is a, what we might be hoping for from a from a big York Hall shop.
0: Yeah certainly um some different and interesting lineup you know compared to what we might get from sort of like around the country you know that's the one thing you can sort of rely on Red Pro for some different wrestlers on their cards but um, I suppose moving on from that on to someone who used to appear for Red Pro all the time, uh, Zach Sabre Jr because the G1 finished last month, uh, Zach finished uh, joint third in, in A block with Kenta and uh, had 12 points overall, it seemed Zach wouldn't be doing much noteworthy on the final night but a surprise return from Shibata saw him have a five-minute exhibition under UWF rules, I mean it was only five minutes and God knows what the future is going to hold for Shibata. But they managed to create a tiny bit of buzz around the final night when there wasn't a great deal. And I thought it was good while it lasted, Andy.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. So it's something I was surprised about when I, when I opened Twitter. Like, bloody hell, Shibata? What's he, do? what's he doing? But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, he's added a bit of buzz to New Japan, which has been sadly lacking in the last few months. Uh, yeah, it was. it was just... Something nice, I guess, for the audience. Whatever they do going forward with Shibata, if they bring him back for Wrestle Kingdom for a match, who, who knows? Um, as in terms of Zack Saber Junior, didn't he get beat off um, Shingo and um, this past week?
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's always going to be one of them guys in New Japan. He'll always have good matches, but be one of them people who. You know, wins New Japan Cups, get a title shot, but he's never going to be the guy. He's he's always going to be that level below the t- the t- the top top person in New Japan, I guess.
0: What about you, Ben? Uh, what were your thoughts on sort like seeing Shibata come back against Zakir? Oh
1: well,
2: yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if I really believe that, that you know we're ever going to get a real Shibata running wrestling again. I just Feel like it would have happened by now if it was happening, and they wouldn't have brought him back in this way. But what a nice way to use him, and what a perfect opponent in, in Zach Sabre Jr. You know, I could see them doing more of this. They just did the uh, that route, the amateur wrestling match with uh, with Yano and, uh, and Brit Red Superstar Great Khan. So, you know, maybe they're the thinking of doing you know something like that as a, a more regular thing. And it was just, yeah, it was just a nice moment, and you know, I think it said everything that shibata you know clearly chosen zach and could have chosen a native or maybe you know somebody had you know a bit more history with to go out there and roll with and you know considering you know zach is kind of the leader real wide now isn't he as far as like that technical wrestling style i think it says everything that somebody as good as a shibata chose him um and yeah it was just it was it was weird because just watching you know the Twitter timeline and seeing people going crazy about it and just kind of going, "That a real thing that's happening today." It was a, you know, it wasn't exactly a particularly buzzworthy show. It was feeling like up until that point, and I think that brought a lot of people alive and captured a lot of people's imaginations amidst, you know, a lot of I suppose negativity towards New Japan. So yeah, it gave them that too, and yeah, it was cool that uh that it was Zach that was in there with Shibata. Yeah,
0: it's like you say. I don't. It was weird with Shibata, ain't it? Because. It depends, you know, what his his you know level of health is, and that obviously comes first, doesn't it? So it will be interesting to see, you know, if he does come out and do sort of like more grappling and things like that. So it'll be interesting down the line. I mean, in terms of Zach, um, you know, there, Andy, you know, you think he's found his ceiling in New Japan. Do you think um he'll be appearing back in the UK anytime soon, or do you think he's sort of like just um mainly in Japan for the time being?
1: I think he might come for a one-off, maybe, in you know, middle of next year. You might, you might think, but yeah, I, I, I do, I do think Japan is, is just going to be there, you know, full time. Might make the odd appearance over here, but don't don't see much of it myself, unless unless, uh, unless um, Brian Danielson says uh, jump. <laughs> <laughs> Have a match. I you know. mean, you're work
2: in a working men's club in Coventry. Maybe you'll say that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I wonder if that working men's club's even still open. That'd be uh, quite Good interesting point. to look into. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's many other working men's clubs in Coventry. They could probably like, uh, maybe they've not got the room upstairs, but I'm sure they could fit them in somewhere. But um, something else I wanted to talk to. So we had the announcement. Obviously, WXW um, have announced some of the lineup for next year's 16 Carat Gold Tournament. From it's going to be held uh, from the 4th to the 6th of March. Names announced so far: Jonathan Gresham, Ace Romero. Firmino, AB and the newly released Biff music I know you two lads have been a few times, haven't you? Uh, Benno, is, some- is it something that you're interested in going to next year?
2: I am, definitely. I mean, more for, as we were talking about, the night out or the weekend away, dying for uh, a flight anywhere, to be honest, at this point. Um, sad I'm not in Minnesota at the weekend, but like, I think I'd I think my my mindset going until those announcements was, I kind of want to just go for that. And then they've, you know, because of COVID, it's not their fault, but they've kind of had to announce that it's, you know, going to be all seated. And I think there's only so many tickets on sale. I think they're close to, to sell out already. And that kind of put me off. But the announcements are interesting. I think that's kind of what WXW do. I think people expect maybe a bit much as far as like, you know, big mainstream type announcements. They are the more, you know, Type promotion to bring in like an Arbe or like bring in a, a Gresham or you know if Butsic I suppose that's a that's a name there but it's somebody kind of fits, you know considering as uh, how well he did uh, when he was out there for a carrot last time me and uh, me and Andy were out there that they are very very WXW announcements and for the for the hardcore of the hardcore but they de- they have piqued my interest a little bit more you know and I'm maybe looking at it more as well. I think it could be a good weekend as well as a, a good weekend away it's just Yeah, It's hard to make the decision now with it being still quite a few months off. You don't know what the world's going to be like. Um, But I think if you leave it too late, that's the other thing. I think this is going to sell out because people are so desperate to go. But yeah, I'm still taking that wait-and-see attitude, but if if between now and the run-up to Christmas, I end up uh, buying a ticket, uh, don't be shocked either.
1: Yeah, I'm of the same thinking. It's it's something I'd love to go to again. Uh, But it's maybe all you know, all the arcing around with you know, with COVID and that, like going over there and um I mean the announcements. He's well you could see Biff um, Biff Music, Gresham and Arby all being in ambition because of all that type of wrestler. Ace Romero. God, I hope he's improved since his tag run with Larry D in uh, impact. He
2: was,
1: <laughs> he was shockingly bad. He's probably someone you'd stick against. Maybe an avalanche on the first night, a big, like, beefy lads match. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested going, but it's one of them, I think, like, oh, TNT could book these the night before on a Thursday and I could do a TNT, GPW, Tidal Weekender, and I can also have McDonald's, Burger King and KFC all in a square in Manchester as well.
2: <laughs> you know, a decent re- kebab as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, get a dirty kebab as well. Just recreate Oberhausen, but in a <laughs> uh, but, with a bit, but with a bit more spice around the area.
0: <laughs> it certainly sounds like quite the weekend for sort of like meeting up and sort of, you know, hanging out with wrestling fans and watching some good wrestling. But God, it does sound like, you know, you, you're doing a wrestling version of Super Size Me from some of the stories I've heard. Like, it literally yeah. sounds like all anyone does is eat fast food for five days in a row.
2: Yeah, that's it. You're you going to Germany and there's going to be all great German beers and great German food and stuff. You can find it, <laughs> but not in the area where, where the turban Haller is. Like, that's the thing. But you get used to going to the, the, the McDonald's and, you know, Whatever new invention they've got there, like the, the nacho burger or something, they had one year was popular, and get all get all kinds of different things. Still get a McRib over there, you know that's that's a selling point, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you <laughs> you're not there really for the you know, the food or drink. I think you'd best to, if anyone's considering doing it, you know, taking Dusseldorf or taking Cologne or something on your way there. You can even do Amsterdam and get a train from there. There's plenty of uh, nicer cities around Europe you can do as part of it. It is it it's a social weekend, and it, you know that's yeah. the other thing. You know, I haven't heard a lot of the normal people who go kind of commit to go. And I've seen a couple of people buy tickets so far, but yeah, I wonder again with the, you know, the cap attendance and the lack of standing, whether there will be that much of a, uh, you know, a, a traveling contingent, maybe people will hang on for, you know, whatever the equivalent of Tag League or the Grand Prix or whatever they're doing, you know, to tail end the next year, or maybe carrot the year after, it might still be too soon for some.
1: That's, that's the thing, Ben, like, um, obviously with all the seating and that, you just like, you know, stuck to a seat. I mean, oh, I can't us, imagine
2: you and Jeff sitting down for a rest Us two, when we're there, <laughs> we
1: just like to work the room, don't we? <laughs> yeah. From dawn to dawn.
2: You give them Germans a shock. I remember when we were when you came and you had media with us, and we were up in the media bit at the top, and we're all we're all trying to like you know fit in and you know be professional and such. And Andy's up there getting the getting the claps going. Gave a couple of wrestlers uh, some frights up there, but hey, gave the show some <laughs> atmosphere, which is. Uh, yeah, which is neat. I think the uh, the Germans came a well very uh, came away very impressed by the Ogden brothers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> as as most people do, yeah, no doubt. Um but um I suppose moving away from uh Germany and back to the UK, um uh, sad news Andy mentioned a bit earlier that we had, had this month that Ethan Allen one part of the young guns, he's gonna be out of action for ten to twelve months. He posted on his Twitter account that his physio discovered he had a potential tear in his ACL and after he initially thought he'd just had a minor sprain and a grade one medial meniscus tear. I mean, huge blow here, Benno, not only for Ethan, but also for the British wrestling scene as he's one of you know the main bright sparks out here. And it's not the first time, is it? He had a, a fair amount of time off pre-COVID with another injury. I mean, obviously, you know, all three of us wish the best for Ethan and wish him a full speedy recovery, but that's a huge blow for him. And not only just him, but also the scene as a whole.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously second time, you know, something like this has happened with them. so I'm sure Andy can talk to in a bit more detail. But, you know, we said earlier about, you know, be careful about putting too much pressure on, you know, these these young Mm. lads on this scene. And to be fair, the young ones are two lads who are carrying that pressure, you know, like they've, they've gotten a, you know, a noteworthy buzz from the tattoo gym match. And then they're there appearance. And then, you know, Rev Pro picking them up. And I was reading between the lines of that Andy Q interview. He's definitely seen on these tweets about, uh, about the lads. I think that's the, uh, that's the reason they ended up getting booked. I'm pretty sure. Um, but like, you know, it's that they were, you know, fitting in perfectly in Rev Pro and, you know, offering something different there as far as a team and they were up near the top of the card i know some people were critical of them you know being healed like uh heels backing up osprey and then getting turned on by osprey and Made to look a bit stupid, but what it meant was they were on the opposite side of the cards to Austria and Aussie Open and were likely, I think, to be in that big York Hall match and likely to be, to continue to be featured in those big six fans. So it's really bad timing. And if he's out as long as it sounds like, it's yeah, it's devastating, really. But you know, from the people I know who know him well, you know, it sounds like he's got a got a great attitude about it and you know, was getting the, the right help out there too. So you know, I'm sure he'll be back, I'm sure he'll be fighting, I'm sure he'll be in, in Luke's corner again. Um and I'm you know I'm sure as well you know Luke will take the, op- the opportunity to to continue to improve as a singles act as well so yeah those lads are, are good at taking the, the positive out of those negatives it's just yeah the timing really fucking sucks
1: yeah um well I was there the uh, there the evening he got injured um, oh, wow at, Ca- at catch pro wrestling um yeah it was just just something you know innocuous really out of nowhere and like on the de- the match match stopped luckily they had like the St John's ambulance straight on onto him and like the medics and yeah and on the evening I mean I was speaking to speaking to his uh, his dad and he said so I said like the medic thinks it could be just like a sprain or something um just tweaked and yeah and I think they said when it like two, possibly two months out? That was on like the original statement. And then um like next Saturday comes, uh, like last Saturday comes out 10 to 12 months. And so you think, oh, fuck's sake. Like not again, mm-hmm. because last time it was, I think like six to eight months last time when when he did, I think he did his knee in then. and um, So he ended up doing like corner work uh, for, for Luke Jacobs during his matches. And he were, to be honest, he was really good at the corner work. Uh, I think, um, what's it, Chris Egan, who's like a close ally of theirs, you know, probably helped him along without to do a bit of managerial work. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, I actually spoke with Ethan on um, on Sunday at Future Shockey Come over and had a chat about it. And yeah, they were going to have that match with uh, Aussie Open at Red Pro. We said that Saturday he'd found out them results and he'd also been to see Man United get beat against Man City. He said, what a shit day I had. <laughs> but, um, it, it does look like that he's going to do more, um, more of the corner work. Now he's, you know, keep, keep his face around at shows and, you know, you know, cont- continue on. Like, you know, he's got a great attitude for the business and, uh, yeah, he was there on Sunday for both shows at Future Shock, and he was also at uh, Catch Pro Wrestling, like um, helping out as well. But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he'll come back fighting fit, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully in the same spot what they've built for themselves at, at the moment. But now he's got a great attitude, and yeah, good luck with him, and good luck to him in his uh, recovery.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, just uh, one sort of other story i wanted to before we head out of here because we did talk a bit last month didn't we names who had had high profile accusations made against him in speaking out and now seemingly slowly trying to creep back in and following his apology last month bandido recently booked travis banks on his show again except under a mask this time i mean what what is bandido getting out of this better than than, you know a massive headache online and just why is he so insistent and i mean they it doesn't seem like they go back as friends or anything like that. It just seems like like really head scratching why he's you know obsessed with using Travis Banks on these shows. Yeah, it's come at
2: an interesting time as well. Like I've just literally seen on Instagram, Travis has just done a statement, um, a note, a notepad apology about um, speaking Stop, yeah. out. Yeah, uh, the consequences for me regarding the speaking out was that I lost my job with WWE. But more importantly, my work visa for the UK would be revoked and I had to leave the country. I completely understand why this happened, why I faced criticism, and I know it was important for me to face this to everyone I've heard. I'm sorry I have been for a long time. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, that just came through. literally just saw that. He, I don't really get it. I mean, the weird thing with the Bandido story is that, like, obviously he got that criticism, didn't he, and kind of put a statement out apologising, and then it was almost like he thought, well, if we put him under a mask, we can get away with it. <laughs> we and, and you know, I can, I can use Travis Banks, but is, is Travis Banks worth that trouble? I'm, I'm not sure he is. I know Bandido said in his statement that you know he was trying to be right by a friend type of thing. It's all, it's all messy and and dirty, isn't it? I suppose I suppose the you know the as we talked about last month, it's hard that these cases you know where it's kind of like. I don't want to say mob justice, but that's kind of like what we've got now, isn't it? In the face of nothing else, in the face of, you know, the, the APPG stuff not coming to anything and Brit Res continue to be, to be Brit Res, you know, it's almost been, you know, because the fans are vocal, you know, the likes of Travis Banks have been chased out to the fringes or the chat likes of have been chased out to, you know, work in, in places that aren't going to have that Twitter or internet spotlight on them and work in your, you know, know, your, your camp type shows and work in your family type shows. I mean, I think that, I think you can say that's a positive. Um, you know, you can say, well, because people will say that won't they? you know, speaking out to accomplish nothing, but you know, these, these men, you know, are having to go out there and work in, you know, the darkest depths of you know the indie scene or the you know traveling thousands of miles just to to get a booking you know some somewhere in south america like that's you know that's something you know uh, the pressure that people are putting on and people working with their wallets and people being vocal about who they they want and don't want to be on shows i don't know if it's you know a sustainable way of policing things but it's kind of all we've got and you can probably say you know it's working to an extent here and it's worked to the point that you know bandido yet again has been shamed into doing you know a second apology this one in his car who knows where the the third one's going to take place it's probably coming um but you know you can't say that those those tactics i suppose haven't been effective.
0: no yeah and also it's weird with um Ligero, because obviously we did have the rumors circulate around he was doing shows under a Spider Man mask. Um, and then the photo did go around on social media of a worldwide promotions wrestling show. Um, but it's like you know it there, Benno. You have got to vote with you, Wallace. You know, it's up to you as fans. And, you know, just hope that at least the Bermuda is going to happen behind the scenes. But, you know, it's up to fans at the end of the day, isn't it, Andy?
1: Yeah, so it certainly is. I mean, obviously, them Ligero rumors, like, you know the Spider Man stuff, you know, were around and yeah, it's just like uh, plain sight today. Oh he's there he's there resting, like but you, you, these sort of promotions like um I think it was like McGregor promotions who 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 did that show. Um you know because no one from like our small Twitter bubble is really going to them shows so no no but no bugger know about him. I mean mm-hmm. yeah it, it, I mean the, the um What's it called? Travis Banks Travis Banks thing. I mean, I said last time about Bandido not knowing. It was an absolute load of fucking shit. And it's just yeah. been proven, proven again. Wrestling, it's a shady business. We all know. And it's it it just proves it. Just proves it every every time stuff stuff like this comes out, just can't help the cells.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it was like um, you know, a now, you know, it is up to fans to sort of like. To help police this stuff, and you know, as much as you know, certain things haven't changed and stuff. It is, it is, seems that some things have been happening. You know, with the fact that Travis Banks has got to go across to Mexico, Mexico, and you know, El Ligero has got to appear on promotions that no one's ever heard of. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. You know, following these stories, and you know, hopefully, you know, we don't see these people coming back. But um, I suppose before we get out of here, uh, Andy, I was looking at a funny photo. Have You had a show with your brother Jeff, Shauna, and uh, Chris Wilson at a recent show, all looking very unimpressed. Um, what have you been up to this month, and what have been some of the highlights of um, uh, some of the sort of like undergraphs you've been hearing up this month?
1: Well, well, Shauna tells me it was the uh, it, it was Joey A's and Danny Hope in the ring at the time who, who were the baddies on Future Shot. That's what that's why that's why we're all pulling a face. They're the, yeah. they're the baddies. There's, there's
0: been a few pictures of you looking unimpressed this month. I'm wondering which one's sending for the post a post-wrestling christmas show um I'll <laughs> to pick, uh, pick one out <laughs>
1: um no right some of some of the stuff i've been to um north wrestling at anarchy bruco um it's, it's like my third third or fourth time going watching north but first time at this venue it's got craft craft beer on all like five quid a pint but it's uh all money going back into their pockets uh as i said earlier it was like a 300 sellout great to see uh, main event of the show was uh, Rory Coyle, who's the uh, North Wrestling champion. Really good character. He was against Caron Noir The first time I've seen Caron Noir since, wow. since um, he won uh, 16-carat goal to deathly silence from the British and Irish uh, contingent there. Um, it, I just thought it would be interesting to see what sort of reaction he was going to get. Mm. It was very muted, I would say. Um, wow. Quite a, quite a bit of the crowd was behind Rory Cole to win because he's he's like the, the local guy and you know he eventually did win in like a really good like 20 minute match um one thing i will say with north wrestling is certainly a, a good promotion to go to the nice lovely atmosphere good people um yeah certainly worth the uh, couple hour trip from uh, manchester for that Um, also went to um, tnt's um, ignition show uh, and the Fusion nightclub as, as I said before with these shows it's very storyline driven so there's like matches that have been built up over the last few months uh, and the main event was uh, Scott Oberman and JJ Webb this is uh, Tom Felwell and Cameron Solas. so there's like quite a bit of needle with um, Oberman and Solas who've been fighting for the uh, Ignition title <coughs> You've also got Felwell, who's got like the briefcase for the title. And Felwell and Solis ended up winning and they did like a cash, uh, like a cashing spot at the end. But eventually, like, Oberman managed to, you know, wriggle free. But then he got, you know, planted at the end of the show. And it's all setting it up for the show on 28th of November, where um, Oberman's facing Solace in. Like if Solus loses, he like loses his career, and if he wins, he if Solus wins, obviously he wins the title. But they're also doing Tom Fairwell versus J.J. Webb. I think t- TNT Ignition shows aren't um, like really worth to uh, worth going to. They also had um, some I didn't go to was their Extreme Fields uh, like concert slash wrestling show, which was yeah. in, mm. in the form of Crazy House. <laughs> um so i was told like i think the they had about ton maybe a ton ton 50 there for the all day um it was like 30 quid a ticket they had 18 matches and six um bands on so they'd have like excuse me um, like three matches and then a band downstairs and then three matches and a band and so on and so forth and i think they probably ended up on the. Uh, like Junior is the final band, where where probably everyone left it left the building before <laughs> they came on. Uh, but no, it, it, all, it, all in sense and purpose is the reports I got out from that um, that show that it, it was like a success, and I think they are looking to possibly do it like like again next year. I know they did run like um, a, cl- a club night um, like af- after the show infusion which got like 400 400 people in there which you know and, and i know the promoter of tnt has got many fingers in many pies but yeah you, you've got you've got to admire him for actually trying trying to do something different um with the promotion um i also went to uh, future shot wrestling at uh stockport masonic guildhall this past weekend and they had like an adrenaline rush uh, Rumble uh, for the women's title, uh, which uh, Tonga eventually won. And she's the like new future shot women's champion. They had quite a, quite a few new faces in the rumble, uh, mainly from one of the local like res- wrestling promotions, uh, Lancashire Wrestling Federation. And um, it's a few people who also trained at the uh, Manchester Pro Wrestling Academy back in the day. Uh, also Harley Hudson, who's um, someone to take note of. Very similar style of, a um, bit like Liz, Lizzie Evo. So, mm. regionalized scouser, gives shit to the crowd. Obviously, the crowd come back with, uh, you know, the old Zach Gibson chants. But she was very good at playing off the audience's, um, you know, chat and everything. Uh, she, she eventually had a match later on in the show against Tonga, which she she got beat, but She's certainly someone to look out for in the uh, promotion. She's, I think she's only a couple of years in. Uh, there was also the Future Shot Trophy tournament. So they had like the semi finals, which was two bit uh, beating Joe Kessler. Uh, Joe Kessler's part of Northwest Strong. There's quite a few members of that, uh, that group now. Um, And then in the other match, which was a rematch of um, a match from the anniversary show, which was Lachlan Sharp, who uh, the mullet, um, who had his family in the audience, which is sort of a giveaway for who was winning this trophy tournament. Uh, So it was Lachlan Sharp against uh, Keenan Krishna, who's been on like progress shows. And he's um, he's been on quite a few local shows recently, like Future Shock and Catch Pro Wrestling and once again, the, the, I think these two work really well together. It's like a, it a pairing. Ended up Lachlan Sharp winning with the uh, like torture rack into a blue blue thunder bomb for the victory. And then in the in the final, uh, Lachlan Sharp ended up beating uh, beating two bit. But in the in the evening show, there was a really really good tag match um, with. Uh, the models, Danny Open, Joy Joye's, who were doing like an open challenge, like right, saying, Oh, there's no tag teams left in Future Shot now, we've ran everyone off. And then, um, they faced um, one of Benno's favorites, uh, Big Gums Joe and great, uh, Chris, 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 Chris and Chris Egan, which, um, like Chris Egan were doing double duty that night on that evening show, but really, really, uh, good. Good quality tag match. Egan ended up getting pinned, like, super kicked in his eye, and it just, like, his eye blew up on the evening. He was showing us the bruise on uh, on Monday. Didn't look good. Um, <laughs> but final thing went to was Catch Pro Wrestling's Enigma Series, uh, show two and three. But I'll just say about show three. and This was, like, the end of the, uh, like, A block and the B block. It's for their Enigma, Enigma uh, title. And, yeah, so Tom, Tom Fellwell ended up winning his group, uh, Block A. Uh, Fellwell's someone who they've sort of turned heel here, uh, joined joining up with Isaiah Quinn. Uh, he was sort of reluctant in the early stages of how they were setting it up, but I think he's really come into his own as a like, heel persona. And... In the final, he's uh, going to be facing Kevin Lloyd, who beat uh, Spotty Rock, who's another who's another one. I've got to give praise to. He's someone who's got himself in great shape, and um, probably proving himself in the ring as a as a good as a good solid work, good solid wrestler. Him and uh, Kevin Lloyd had like, I think it was, t- it was a twenty minute time limit, and Kev won in like nineteen minutes and fifty eight seconds. The the story was. They were both on, uh, both on four points, so whoever won went went through. Uh, but sets it up for next time, which is uh, Kevin Lloyd and Tom Fowell in the uh, in the final. So they've gone from having a pre-show match about three shows ago to having the uh, the possibly the main event of a uh, catch is uh, fourth show at the Union on the uh, I think it's the 20th of November, but. As I've said earlier, I think the uh, the Monday shows have been uh, a godsend for Catch uh, in, in in improving the uh, improving the products. So there you go.
0: All right, yeah, certainly, definitely, lots going on. Yeah, I really want to see. Um, I've seen like bits and clips of sort of like Tom Thewlley. I know you mentioned him quite a few times, but I love to see him like live. Um, hopefully, more promotions start start using him and some of the other guys you mentioned. But yeah, certainly sounds like um, a lot of interesting stuff going off. Um, from the shows that you've attended this month. Um, but Andy, you you do some more long-form reviews on these shows. How can people hear sort of like you and, and your brother and other uh, guests uh, talking about um, your various trips to Brit- British wrestling?
1: Yeah, so um, you can go to um, Graps and Claps Audio on um, all good uh, podcasting providers. Um, we've done like, long like show reviews of the trip to North, uh, with Chris A we we've also done like the Future Shot shows, Catch Pro Wrestling, and same with TNT as well. And then coming up in the in the next month, we've got our trip to uh, Red Pro at York Hall, which is going to be a, a fun trip. Uh, we've also got um, – I'm off to Cleeforps as well for BWR. And also we've got a, a special podcast – uh, in a couple of weeks' time, where we're going to be reviewing Shingo versus Yokozuka 3 from uh, Dragon Gate UK, which I think is about 10, year, 10 years ago. Um, we're going to have...
0: Wow, is it that long? On.
1: We're going to have Jeff on, we're going to have Kieran Lafort on, and we're going to have, uh, making his first appearance on wraps uh, and Claps Audio, on uh, Alan 4L. So it's probably going to be a 10-hour podcast. Uh. <laughs>
0: Doing the rounds, yeah. during the rounds this month, you, not he? Benno? he's um uh, been over uh, at Grapple Towers as well.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: I was gonna say yeah, we were we went a paltry, I think three three and a half hours. I think with uh, with Alan and Chris and I. See, so these podcasters were all. Uh, it's all it's all going on, isn't it? This, uh, what was that like a question
0: team? a few years ago? Was it? Um, are all <laughs> British wrestling podcasters just appear on each other's shows having the same thing? <laughs>
2: We're not helping that stereotype, are we at all? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had we had Alan on and Chris and who were both men who've been there for. Uh, we did the Zach Saber Junior mixtape, which was a suggestion of uh of one of our uh, patrons, uh, Robert Brocky, who's a big post fan as well. And yeah, it was a great great chat. Like, hit looking down his, you know. Looking through the history of Zack Saber Junior. and you know Chris Lane was there for the famed uh, match in a in a Coventry pub uh, with him and Brian Danielson. Got to chat to him about that. Alan gave us loads of insight of Zack's like early forays into WXW, and we kind of brought it into the more modern times as well with a with a bit of a look at his his you know, more recent matches in Red Pro and Progress. One of my favorite shows we've uh, we've ever done. Over on the Patreon, So that's Patreon.com/grapple. And yeah, main Grapple show. gets, uh, like I said, full gear weekend. So yeah, we'll have a uh, all of the, our review for that coming out uh, Monday night. Previews, all kinds of stuff uh, happening on our feed. So yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. And I'll throw a plug in for uh, for Graps and Claps as well. I've been uh, I haven't heard it, but I've been reliably told there's a, a passionate rant from Jeff uh, giving you the counter to my. Uh, Brit Reza's dead nonsense. So uh, people go listen to that. Jeff knows what he's talking about more than I do uh, if you want to hear the, uh, the other side of, uh, of things.
0: You'll have to use that audio clip to open the next show anyway. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so Jeff, we'll have to get Jeff on here. After, oh, that you will know, be nice. War of words, Benno and Jeff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the that's, versus that... debate everyone wants. <laughs> that... Um... Yeah, that was actually a junior show. It was cracking. I feel there's plenty of mileage to get out of there because there's plenty of matches left on the table as well. So it'd be good to have a, a round two of that one. And uh, mentioned it, you know, ad nauseum in the show. I did uh, an interview with uh, Andy Quilden yes. um, that's up on the post site. You know, talked to a lot of stuff. I, I imagine there was some stuff that um, international listeners weren't au fait with, like, the biggin and wigging and stuff. And we even got into his sort of, like, promoting. And then, you know, a variety of things we got into a uh, two-hour interview and I just want to shout out Andrew Thompson for transcribing parts of it you know obviously he's always excellent articles on the main street on the main site rather Andrew's the best when it comes to these sort of news reports and I did appreciate him transcribing you know the interview for the main post site always love reading them great work Andrew as always um and speaking of Andrew me and him will be back in a couple of weeks um for Bushburn Thompson's adventure. And I've got some, like, wacky and wonderful ideas coming up for, like, Christmas shows and end-of-year shows, so hopefully going to roll out some announcements for those in the next coming weeks. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will catch you next time.